We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We do have some mailbag questions, Ryan, and I want to get to a couple here that are cornerback related just to start off with. Uh, we have some of those a, a little bit. And then one is a recruiting question that I really wanted to get to because I wanted to answer this one because I sure. know that you have talked about this before. Uh, but uh, this is a question from Keith Wiegand. He says, do you guys like Leonard more? Now, my understanding is, Ryan, you had a chance to answer this question when you guys did the show last week. Yep. Ryan likes Leonard more. Quite a bit, right, Ryan? I mean, yes. you, you, you yes. think he's a pretty good player. Very what, high. What, what kind of what kind of range would you give him as far as like a, a ranking? Just off. I mean, I know we haven't graded him yet, but like, yep. what's your gut feel on him? I, I think right now he's a top one hundred and fifty type of player, but I think yeah. he's got like I think he's got top seventy five ish upside. Like I think yeah. that he is that type of player. Yeah, and I'm higher on him than Ryan is, <laughs> so that's something that we've decided. I love this kid. Like Ryan told me he was visiting because, I mean, look, with everything going on, I'm trying to hire some new people. I got I haven't had a chance to really dive a ton into to the 2024 class. By the way, I did have an article where I've broken down and regraded the Notre Dame class. And some guys have moved up. Uh, CJ Carr is now a five star. CJ Williams dropped it, jumped or Cam Williams jumped into the top 50. And Owen Wafel was a huge riser for me. He's now my third ranked kid in the 2024 class from Notre Dame. Uh, so if you want to know why I explained on the message board. Uh, at oursbreakdown.com, the, the Champions Lounge. But when I first popped in Leonard Moore, I had, to, I had to watch him and then go back and watch him again. I was like, no, I, I must be in a really good mood right now because I'm loving this kid. L- great length. He can really run, and it gets masked at times because of the way they play him. They play him as a pure off-man guy, you know, where he'll come up and press and then just bail. But you can see it when he's playing receiver, you can see it on a, a pick six that he had. I don't know if it was a pick six. Did he make it all the way back on that one? I can't remember. He had a long return. He had a couple of punt returns for scores. Yeah, and then that the was film. the other one, the punt returns. This kid yeah. has got some speed. And the thing that he has that is so important to me for big, tall kids, Ryan, he's just got elusiveness. Because the way that he plays, at times his transitions don't look super smooth, but it's more of a – he's got a lot going on technically. Like he's he is – efficiency is not a word I would use with Leonard Moore. But that's a coachable thing. That's absolutely a teachable thing that you can improve upon. But there's a few snaps where you see him be really efficient with his with his pedal, 
and he just really clean transition. But when he gets the ball in his hand, that's when you see this kid's got some suddenness to him. His change of direction is really impressive. Uh, there's some people that have said he's 155. That's what he listed on Huddle. I promise you that's what he, what he weighed when he first signed up for Huddle, which is probably a couple of years ago. Uh, he's up to 175-ish, 180 now. He's filled out quite a bit. Uh, he's got a lot of room to fill out. His body reminds me a lot of a taller version of Christian Gray, body type-wise. Uh, not as broad as Cam was at the same age. He's got he's got similar length to Cam, but his Cam was always a thicker kid. Cam was always built more like a wide receiver than a corner. Uh, Cam's so tall that he looks leaner than he actually is. And Ryan, you've seen Cam Hart up in person. He's yeah. not skinny. He looks it because he's so tall. He's a very broad, very broad upper body kid. He's got skinny legs, but he's got a very broad upper body, in my opinion. This kid is more built like Christian Gray, but taller. He's a legit 6'1", might even be a little bit taller than that. Really long arms, really smooth, and he can run. Yeah. And it, to me, he's a legit 4'5 guy, like legit 4'5 guy to me. That's only going to get faster as he gets older and gets in a strength program. So, uh, yes, I am very high on Leonard Moore, very high on Leonard Moore. So, he to me, he's a guy that if, if he wants to come now, you take him now. Yes. Yes. And then just say, okay, we got him. Now we're just going to try to land Aaron Scott or flip Caleb Beasley and call it a day. And you feel pretty darn good about it. Brian, if he was on the, if he was on the, if he, if he was in the program right now with what we know, he would have some of the highest upside of any cornerback in that room, man. He's a, the thing that got me with him, which was like, I was kind of eye popping because all the, so, I mean, first and foremost, the length, he might have, he if he was on Notre Dame's roster right now he might have the longest arms of any cornerback on the roster like he has some silly length man I I wouldn't be shocked if those are like 33 inch arms like it is ridiculous to watch on film but the thing that gets you so excited because yeah he's long he can turn and run like those things you kind of expect a little bit right because of his body type I did not expect him to be as quick as he is I did not expect him to change direction as well as he does I mean he Plays in a lot of off-man coverage, a lot of zone, but you see when he when he plants and goes, he can get out of his breaks incredibly quickly, out of his pedal. And there's some plays where he breaks up passes coming downhill, where I'm just like, that's that's different, man. That's really different. It really is. So when you have all those things together, upside is immense, man. He could be a really good football player on the next level. Notre Dame obviously is is in a good spot with him. We expect that things to keep trending in the right direction, and hopefully they're going to be able to land him. Obviously, because he's a really talented football player, but all of the tools to be incredible to be an incredible asset to your team. And not to mention Brian, he's also from Texas, right? He's from Round Rock, which is in the Austin area, the same town as Braylon James in the twenty twenty three class. So, adding an impact player with this high of upside from the state of Texas as well is never going to be a bad thing for Notre Dame. Yeah, you know me and my stance on recruiting Texas. That's just yep. a must. That's a must for Notre Dame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I have a question here, Ryan, from Ryan Blooded. Which unit do you do you think is A, more well-equipped from game one, and B, has a higher ceiling, cornerback or running back? I think running back is a popular option, but cornerback isn't as far behind as some people would think. So, uh Two part two, Ryan, or part two parter, part one. This is a great question, by the way, Irish blooded. Uh, part one, which is A, which unit between running back and corner is w- more well equipped from game one? I mean, I would probably go running back, but it's a conversation piece. Like, I think if you pick corner, I don't think you're wrong. It's just, I mean, the one thing about Cam Hart, and we keep talking about it, right, is that Cam has had some durability concerns, and he's That's coming it. back from the injury, right? I mean, I expect him to be ready to go and to be an asset, but at the end of the day, there's still that question behind him. For, at running back, I mean, you have Audrey Gastamay coming back. You have Logan Diggs. You have Chris Tyree, who – I mean, Chris Tyree's had a little bit of durability in the past, but the top two guys – they've been banged up, really. I mean, Logan Diggs well, was um, in the year, but then he kind of – Logan had stride. the – Logan had the uh, shoulder in the yeah. spring, yeah. But but, they, but yeah. then he came back after the couple games and he was good to go for the rest right. of the year. Audric Estime was able to maintain his health throughout. But then even if one of those guys does get banged up, you're like, oh man, I have to potentially replace him with Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love, Jabron Payne. Like you've just painted so much depth right at that position as well. But I just again, I think from game one, I expect Logan Diggs and Audric Estime and the rest of the crew to just kind of hit their stride that they can take that they ended the year off of in 2022 because there hasn't been as much durability concerns in that room as maybe there was a corner, at least for one important position. Anyway. I think that's the only, that's the only reason that you're not going with corner. I mean, yeah. if, if we're going to say who's the best of the four, who's been the best player of that group before Cam Hart, Benjamin Morrison, Audrick estimate Logan Diggs. We're just take the top two. It's Benjamin Morrison, in yes. my opinion. Right. Yep. And, and Cam Hart's flashed, as good, if not better, ability than the other two running backs. But as you said, we're talking about a kid who may not be there in the spring because of a shoulder injury. We got to see how healthy he's going to be coming back next year. Absolutely. But I think I think the fa- but this was kind of funny, Ryan. Is is I mentioned this a little bit beginning the show. This is kind of what I was alluding to, which is when you look at these two positions in 2020, these were two of the biggest question marks on the entire team. Because we didn't know what Kyron Williams was going to become. And then the depth behind him was like there was like hardly any depth behind him. And now you fast forward a couple of years, and these are the two biggest strengths on the team, in my opinion. Two of the three, because I think you need to throw offensive line in this conversation as well. But two of the three strongest positions on your football team were a couple of years ago, 
concerns. Now, Mike Mickens has been the reason for the cornerback jump. Dylan McCullough has built on what Lance Taylor started, in my opinion. Uh, and those two guys combined overcame the Autry Denson debacle, which is what his coaching career at Notre Dame was. And, and especially as a recruiter, he was a solid coach, but he was a bad recruiter. And so it, it's a, it's a strong question. And then the part B, which has a higher ceiling for me, Ryan, it's, it's easy. It's corner. Like, cornerback agree. has the higher ceiling. I agree. Like, yeah. It's, if we're taking the top two, especially, I would say the highest ceiling guys in the court in the running back room were the younger guys. It's yeah. Jeremiah Love and Jerry Price have the two highest ceilings of, of all of them, which is impressive because Audrick Estime and Logan Diggs and Chris Tyree are really good football players. Yes. But it, it's it that is even still debatable, Ryan. To me, it's still debatable about ceiling. But I'm just going corner because I just if Cam Hart's healthy and, and locked in, you're talking about two potential All Americans a corner, and I love the veteran running back. I just don't think they're not Bijan Robinson, right? They're not that level of player in my opinion. They're not, you know, what Kenneth. Well, I mean, I think they make maybe with Kenneth Walker was, but like I'm saying, like they're just not that elite talent. They're not. Aldrick estimates really good. He's not Derrick Henry. Right. I mean, he, he's not Logan Diggs is really good. He's, he's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not Bijan Robinson. He's not that guy, um, but they're still darn good. I think Benjamin Morrison, Cam Morrison, Cam Hart can be those guys. They can be elite corners. Yep. And so that's why I say the ceiling to me is 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 with the run, the corners, in my view. And I mean, there's a world where cornerback room. I mean, there's a world where at top of the top two, Jaden Mickey, then you start talking about Ryan Barnes. Christian Gray, Chance Tucker. I mean, there's a possibility that either Chance Tucker, Ryan Barnes, or Christian Gray in 2023 or, go, or 2023 are going to be the sixth best corner on the team. Like that, that's the depth that you've created, right? So you want to talk about upside? If just a couple of those guys behind the top two come to you know come to fruition and take a step up, I mean, you're talking about one of the better quarterback rooms in college football, in my opinion. Like, I think that you can make that argument. So I, I agree. I think that they're, and I think it's more high impact talent, if I could put it like that, to your point, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, Audrey Gessman could be a thousand yard back, double digit t- touchdowns, and be like, yep, that sounds about right. Dude's a hammer, right? You could tell me Logan Diggs is the same thing. I'd be like, yep, makes sense. But are any of them going to be the 1600 yard guy making all American lists? Probably not, right? Even Just if they were the featured backs, even if they right. were the featured backs. Right. They're not Doak Walker award winners, in my view. Right. But, they're but, very good. Yeah. Very good. But if you told right. me in 2023 that either Benjamin Morrison or Cam Hart, fully healthy, made an all American list, I would be like, okay. I'd be more surprised I, if they didn't, to be completely honest with you. Right. Than yeah. that they did. So and, and, e- and even with and even with you know the, the known commodities in the top two, I mean, God forbid something happens to Cam Hart again, but like would you be shocked if I told you that if Christian Gray got an opportunity to play this year that he made a freshman All-American list? Like, would you be shocked? No. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I'd be no. like, okay, sounds about right. Like, no. it's not good in my opinion. So, yeah. I mean, and if it wasn't for Benjamin Morrison, we'd be talking about Cam Christian Gray maybe even doing that. Yeah. I'm not doing that now because it would require an injury for that yes. to happen. So I can't predict that. But, yeah, it, it would be a topic of conversation if Benjamin Morrison never came to Notre Dame. With Christian Gray, to your to your point, so a- absolutely, absolutely, those guys have the tools to be that. And the running back room could say, "Well, okay, I'll see your Christian Gray and Micah Bell, and I'll raise you a Jadarian Price and a Jeremiah Love." And I'm like, "Okay." The point being, there's no wrong answer. We may side a little bit with corner, but if you were to jump into the chat, like, "No, no, no, you guys are wrong." Well, I say you're wrong. Hey, guys, I disagree with you. It's running back. I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I'm not going to argue with you on that one because 
You may ask me tomorrow, and my opinion may change because that's just how good these groups are. You may go back and forth on it. So it's it's a very talented group, Ryan. Here's one. I'll ask you, Ryan, from John A1. Do you see Christian Gray as a field or boundary corner? I I think that he has some traits that could work both, but I personally see him as a little more of a boundary corner earlier because I think that he has that long body type that's able to quickly transition and work vertically, right? Like that's what I think of as a boundary corner is there's some physical physicality to his game, but also the ability that there's going to be times where you're matched one-on-one into the boundary, right? Where you're going to have to turn and run with dudes in the field, you can play a little more off. You can you just have to navigate space a little bit better. You have to have kind of more of a twitchy type of, of profile. I think Christian also has a little bit of twitchiness and ability to change direction. But I think personally, at least early on, he's a boundary corner to me just because the length, physicality, and the ability to turn and run, in my opinion. I'll, I'll say this, Ryan. If Christian Gray is as good as we think he's going to be, he'll play both. And what I mean by that is if he's as good as we think he's going to be, then he probably replaces – cam hart next year in 2024 and then slides over to replace benjamin morrison when he leaves in after the 2024 season yep and then right, you can for start, 2025 you could start almost playing left right instead of field boundary at that yeah point. you really could you really could yeah, yeah i mean you can do that now i think i think you can do that now uh, but i think benjamin i think christian has even more natural because i think the problem with cam hart as a boundary guy and this is why they didn't keep him there at the beginning is because he doesn't play the ball incredibly well you got to have great ball skills to play corner. And I think Christian, Christian has does. proven has more of that from a proven standpoint than 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 Cam does. So that would be kind of the reason why I would say even more so you could play both. But if they wanted to go both now, Ryan, I would not I would be like, "Hey guys, I don't know if you want to do that. I don't know if that's going to work." Right. Like, "All right, cool, do it. Let's do it." But the great the great thing too about Christian Gray that we didn't talk about too much, Brian, is that he is used to playing against dudes as well man like the gauntlet he had to play last year of playing guys like cardinal tate and ryan wingo and springfield high school in the state of ohio i mean you're playing against dudes every single week jeremiah mcclellan at christian brothers right like you're playing dudes every single week so that's another reason i think christian gray could come in and compete for some time because he's not he's used to playing high caliber players like i just named a Five-star wide receiver in Brian Wingo. I just named a high four-star in Jeremiah McClellan. I just named Cornell Tate, who ended as a five-star by a couple services. Like, he was playing against dudes all season, and honestly, he shut down Ryan Wingo, man. He had a tremendous game against St. Louis U. So He didn't give up hardly anything against IMG either. They pretty much avoided him most of that game, if I remember correctly. It's a good I idea. I think they call like, one ball on him, I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he went out, and here's how, he also went against Aaron Scott. Yes, because Aaron Scott plays receiver for Springfield, and that's who they open the season up against. So, yeah, he, he had a very, very competitive season. So you're correct. He is battle-tested. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Also went against Christian Brothers and Jeremiah McClellan. And and uh, there was a, my favorite clip of the year this year was that one where Jeremiah Love had that long touchdown run, and he kind of starts to coast. And all of a sudden he sees Christian Gray coming at him, and he's like, oh, I better speed up a little bit and get in this end zone because this dude is moving. Right? Yes. This dude is trucking. Uh, that was one of my favorite clips of the year. Here's a question from Archer452, a resident Ohio State fan. He says, Mailbag, how deep do you real- realistically think the cornerback room will be? Uh, do you feel good about too deep, meaning top six? So I think he's kind of looking at it from a nickel standpoint as well. If yep. we're going to talk about the, this from your from your question, Ryan, or Archer, then obviously we have to throw into the fact that that one of the nickels is not a corner. He's a safety. And that's Thomas Harper. Yeah. So 
yeah, that's your projected starter at the slot. So then the answer is is the the two outsides and then the nickel. So do you feel good about your one two field boundary and then your one two and the nickel? It, to me, Ryan, I feel very good about my my two deep how I project the two deep to play. I think it's going to be good. Is yeah. it going to be great? That depends on as we talked about earlier, Chance Tucker and Ryan Barnes. Sure. Uh, that's kind of the thing for me, Ryan. So the way I look at it is. I feel good about the starters, feel great about the starters. And I feel confident that Jaden Mickey's going to have a really nice sophomore season. I, I think he's going to continue to grow and, you know, learn from the the times he got beat this year and say like, okay, I've got to, I can't bite on double moves as hard as I did last year. I got to be more patient as a player. Right. And if he can learn that, he'll be fine. Uh, I feel good. If Clarence Lewis is your boundary safety, number two, you're, you're solid there. Clarence Lewis played a lot of football. I don't feel great about it at that point in time because then you start getting to, well, Clarence is kind of your number two at boundary and nickel right now. And that's why we say to get to your specific question, Archer, for me to feel really great about the two deep across all three positions, we need one of those younger guys to step up, if not two. And so to me, that's the key because if one steps up, then you're moving Clarence to safety, but then Clarence becomes your safety's nickel in my opinion. So now Clarence is your, is a maybe starting safety, then potentially a nickel uh, nickel guy as well. If, you know, you're, like if, if Clarence is your starter safety, there's some looks if Thomas Harper goes down where you slide him down and you've got Ramon and Xavier behind him there, right? So, yeah, if Chance Tucker or Ryan Barnes or Christian Gray or ideally two of those three has a really good offseason, then I feel great about where they are in the two deep. Okay. Right now... I feel good about the two deep, but you just need a couple guys to come out this spring and, and really step up that next level for me to feel great about it. Sure. And, and I mean, you're, you're counting on a couple guys to step up out of what, five or six behind the starters, right? So yeah, five I mean, or six behind the starters, not, exactly. not including the starters. Yeah. So, right. I mean, you're, you're thinking about two out of five or six, you have to like your odds there, right? I mean, you it's have eight corners, Ryan. Right now, yeah. you have eight legit corners. You have the two starters, Clarence Lewis, Jaden Mickey. You have Chance Tucker, Ryan Barnes, Christian Gray, Micah Bell. Yep. Think about that. You, and you have, you have, I mean, you would just law of averages say you have to like your chances that at least two are going to be good football players, right? Like you don't need them to be, you don't need them to be phenomenal. They don't have to be Cam Martin, Benjamin they need to be good players. Though. They don't have to be that good. Yeah. They right. need to be good quality depth. So two out of six. I think you feel pretty good about those chances. I mean, if it was, if you only got one guy to step up out of the group or none, like that is an anomaly, right? Like you usually have a couple guys that step up. So as long as a couple step up, I feel good about two outside guys. Obviously, I feel great about those guys. I mean, we've talked a ton about that. Thomas Harper is going to be an interesting player, right? Because if he's able to do what we expect him to do and be a good player in that inside of nickel, that takes that that takes care of the spot. I guess my question, Brian, and one that I don't 100% know the answer to, because I don't know if Notre Dame necessarily does either, is I know you mentioned Clarence Lewis potentially playing that spot, but second nickel, is that definitely Clarence? Is it Jay right. Mickey potentially? Like, I, you know, there's I think there's a couple possibilities of who that number two is at the nickel position. Right. Could that be where Christian Gray maybe slides in as a true freshman? It's possible. Right? Yeah. Like if Chance Tucker has a good offseason and Jaden Mickey has a good offseason and Ryan Barnes has a good offseason, all of a sudden you're like, Dude, we want to we want to play Christian Gray. He looks really good, but where are we going to play him? There's a spot right there. You could maybe you can maybe slide him into. So I think that's the biggest question mark of the spring in the secondary. Beyond 
who steps up next at, at, on the outside. The next biggest question mark, which you could argue is 1B, not 2, is what's the depth at nickel? Because there's not a lot of natural slots in, in, right now in the in, in, on this roster, in my opinion, for Notre Dame. There's no other Tariq Bracey. So it's, 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 are they looking to have more safety types there? Are they looking to have bigger corners there? Right. I don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. And I think who we see them line up in the nickel after Thomas Harper this spring is going to tell us a lot about that, in my opinion. And, and another guy that could potentially play some nickel, maybe not in 2023, but in the future, is, is Micah Bell, who's not an early enrollee as well, right? So that's kind of another question that you have. Yep, I'd be curious if, if they look at Ryan Barnes there. Long safety type, physical to the point of attack, can run, rangy. Yep. You know, that, that's a, it's an interesting one there as well. Speaking of, of uh, Ryan Barnes, here's a question from Brian Shaw. Brian says, are there any current corners outside of Clarence Lewis that y'all project to safety? There's none that we project to safety, but Ryan Barnes, to me, could absolutely be a guy that has the tools to move to safety and, and play there as right. well. He'd be the other one. Yep. The reason I like – some people have said, well, why not just move Ryan Barnes there? Because if I'm going to move a guy to safety, I want to move a guy that I know – pretty confidently can play there and ryan barnes for all his talent has never proven that he deserves to be on the field yet for whatever injuries whatever he just hasn't been there yet clarence has shown he can play right so it's just i'm gonna go with the guy that has more experience and i think clarence's game is really naturally suited for that position in my opinion i really do all right let's let's get up back up here to the top ryan we have a question here from domer grizz do we have any wide receivers who can who can consistently get five yards behind the D like Lindsey did last year? Now that we have a quarterback who can push downfield, I fear we'll have to settle for back shoulders mostly. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. I want you to take a shot at that one, Ryan. I mean, I, I think it's just going to look a little bit different, Domer Grizz. Right? I mean, Brayden Lindsey was uncovering deep because he had tremendous foot speed, but I think that there's other ways to uncover down the field and to create separation. One is with length, right? I mean, so you're talking about guys like Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather who can chew up grass a ton, right? Like they chew up grass, they get on top of guys, they're able to stack and then create the separation. So I think those guys can create enough separation where they can be consistent deep threats. I also think Braylon James can fly, right? So Braylon James could be a guy that uncovers deep with high regularity. I think if honestly, Brian, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think Lorenzo Styles could do some of that stuff too if his head was on straight. I think he has enough foot speed to be able to do that type of stuff. But there's I no think, think about it. I mean, he. Yeah. I mean, we saw it in the in the the freaks list that that uh, Bill Bruce Feldman put Bruce Feldman put out last year. He was on there because yep. his just miles per hour is elite. Yes, it's can he do that on the football field on Saturdays? That's more of a head thing than a like it, it's any issues that Lorenzo Styles has are not physical yes they're mental yep so yes to the point yes he can absolutely he can absolutely be that kind of guy in my and and i I really think those outside skyscrapers they can uncover deep as well in that regard it's just going to look a little different than what how Braden lindsey did it right there's different ways to skin a cat right right? like look at look at tobias merriweather here's the thing too part of the reason Braden lindsey was getting open five yards down the field is because nobody was using their safeties to protect against him because they knew that they were going to throw the ball down the field I mean, that's part of it too, right? Yeah. Teams are going to play Notre Dame differently next year, I think, if certain guys step up. So that that was part of it too. Teams are just, hey, we're they're not going to throw it, so why why give help with safety? If you'd have hit a couple of those deep shots early in the year, then Brayden Lindsey's not getting open as deep as much because – but that means Michael Mayer catches 10 more balls 
and Jaden Thomas catches 10 more balls. And the running game is, is even more higher yards per attempt because teams have to vacate the box a little bit. So, yeah, I was I was going back yesterday, Ryan. I, I, one of the things I did, too, is I watched the a little bit of the, the bowl game again after I watched the Clemson game. And that touchdown pass that Tyler Buckner threw to Braden Lindsey was just like, okay. If they could have hit a couple of those early in the year, this is a this season looks way different. Yes, that, way that different. Marshall, that Marshall game obviously looks a lot different. If yeah. Could. <laughs> well, what was the difference between that post route and the one that he whiffed on Braden Lindsey? It was it was he threw it to a spot and put air on it and let Braden under run underneath it. Yep. What he did in the because again, I think he was a more confident player at that time. The timing was better against Marshall. He just threw a bullet. And didn't give Braden a chance to run underneath it, and that's the difference. It's just understanding that this one needs a little bit of touch. Either put it on him on a little bit more of a line, or if you're going to throw a post route, you put that thing up, you, you put some touch on it, let him run underneath it when he's that open, and that's that was the difference to me. Irish Blooded asks if Brandon Hillman makes uh, makes the field this season. I hope he does. Do, do you see him more in a nickel cornerback or a hybrid rover base set? I am so excited to see him on the field just be a dude. I mean, I, I mean, for me, I respond it. I think that for a guy like Brandon Hillman, who was asked to do so much at Churchland, you want to get him comfortable playing a traditional safety role in 2023. Like, that's where I see it. Long term, I think that's the type of kid that can play a little bit of rover, could be on the second level a ton, could do some stuff from the slot. Like, I think there's a lot that you can do with him, but for me – that stuff needs to be eased along a little bit, right? Because he's not a kid that is – it's not like this kid's coming from his high school where he played a ton of safety. He knows how to play it. He's been doing it for years. He's an inexperienced safety. He's got all the traits to be a very good one, in my opinion. But I want to get him acclimated to the position, right? So, you know, playing boundary safety for or playing field safety, boundary safety, whatever he ends up playing as a freshman – I want that to be what he's used as, as a freshman because I think that if you try to expand too quickly, you're going to potentially overload him a little bit because I just don't think he's played enough at the safety position to just throw all that on his plate. I want I need him to get comfortable as a freshman, in my opinion. Yeah, I I'm curious who he's going. I think early on, I'm here's here's the thing, right? Is you have to de- determine early on where do you think he's going to play first career. Do you think he's a back end safety or do you think he's more of a hybrid guy? Because he's more of a hybrid guy, then we we kind of have our nickel answer, right? I mean, that that could be it, or potentially have your nickel answer. That could be it. Where he is that hybrid rover safety kind of guy that that we think we thought we liked him at early on. If you if you want to to have him groomed to be a back end safety, then I think you need to play him there as a freshman because that's the position he doesn't have a ton of experience at, in my opinion. And everything he did playing that position in high school was just on God-given ability. And so I want to give him that coaching. I I think Brandon Hillman is a kid that early in his career, you need to give him some consistency from a coaching standpoint. Because to, to Brian, Ryan's point, he's never been able to play just a position on defense. He's just always been kind of a quarterback that did a lot of other things. I think he needs that, that hey, let's really work with him early on at this position. And if he can play safety, then you play him at safety, and then maybe you move one of your other safeties down to the nickel if you need a guy there. But that's kind of how I see it. Unless you – again, so it just depends on what do you think his best long-term position is. And whatever you think it is, let him get work there in year one. I think that's the other thing too is if you're able to move Clarence Lewis because of the issues that – because of the emergence we talked about, 
now it gives you the freedom to say, okay, really, what do we want to do with Brandon Hillman? And if you want truly want to see him as a back end safety, then you let him play there. But if you really think his future is sort of as a hybrid rover slot type type of guy, then you can make that move now if you can get Clarence Lewis back there on the back end of the defense. Because now you have Xavier Watts, who's got multiple years of eligibility left, Ramon Henderson, who's got multiple years of eligibility left. You'd have Clarence Lewis, who has multiple years of eligibility left. You'd have Ben Minish and Chris uh, uh, Adon Schuler have, have four years of eligibility left. And then DJ Brown, whose career is over after this, right? So you'd have five guys with, with at least one more year coming back to where if Christian, if Clarence Lewis does make the move, so now you could move Brandon Hillman. But right now, you can't move Brandon Hillman. There's just not enough bodies there to be able to not play him at safety, in my opinion. So it just adds to, again, why it's so important that, that somebody step up and allow them to move Clarence Lewis down oh, back to the back end of the of the, of the defense. Uh, I opinion. think that consistency is really important, too, because he's not an early enrollee, right? It's not like he has a full spring into the, into the summer, into right. the fall. Like he's coming in in the summer, going to do the workout stuff, and then he's thrown into the fire, obviously, in fall camp. So there's not going to be even like that extra time in the spring as well. That's why I really I, I think that we were both kind of uttering the same thing here is that consistency with him is very important early because he is a guy that needs to kind of just fill in the one role and just see his game take off from there. Let's get to the next one here. John A1 says, my hope is the defense can be balanced all sim all together in 2008, uh, similar to 2018. The D-line linebackers and DBs were all really good in 23. We know the DBs are loaded, but will the linebackers and D-line play be really good as well? I mean, it, I mean, that's what you're that's what you're looking for, right, John? I mean, cons- uh, you're looking for consistency always on all three levels, right? And you want to be consistently good to excellent, like always, right? So you look at the, I mean, the defensive backs in general, as long as the safeties take a, a nice step up, I think that you feel really good about the secondary, really good. Based upon what we saw last year, I think you still feel pretty good about the defensive line. It's just, are you going to get the average to good line from last year, or are they going to be able to become a good to really good units like they should have been probably in 2022? That's my question. Linebacker is my biggest concern, though. That one is, it's still, because last year's performance for the linebackers was not good. Right, like it just wasn't good. They had a couple good games here and there. As a unit, as, as a, a unit. unit, it wasn't good. Right. Yes, as a unit, you had a couple games where you're like, okay, that's what it needs to look like. Right, like North Carolina, like that's what your linebacker unit needs to look like. Clemson, at, Clemson. But I mean, as a early whole, in the game, Maris came up and just blew, you remember that play where he came up and he stunted and he just blew up the the tight end and then made the play in the backfield. Yep. Like you know, so uh, yeah, I'm 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 jumping in just because that's what made it so frustrating. Yes. It's because you did see those flashes. You know, yeah. if Maris could have played all year like he did the second half of the Syracuse game or like he did against Clemson or North Carolina, this defense is a lot better. There's yes. no doubt. There's no, no doubt. doubt. Please continue. Oh, no. I mean, that was basically it. It's just, you know, the, the linebacker needs to get a lot better. It, you know, I think the defensive line needs to get better for sure. The one is I think that needs to take the most step up from a consistency level. Like, it just was so – the the couple good games were outweighed a lot by the f- several bad games as a unit, and you really need to you really need to find a middle ground in that unit because it was just not good, and it was not up to Notre Dame standard in twenty twenty two. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think when I look at it, number one is I continue to see this. I, I, I see my guy Tim Priester getting into some battles on, on Twitter with people about the linebacker play. And it is really strange how people kind of put all of the whole group and and because the group wasn't bad, then just they all suck and need to be replaced and not on scholarship anymore. I'm going to repeat it again. J.D. Bertrand was a good football player last year. He had a couple bad spots. He's got to still be a little bit more solid as a tackler. J.D. Bertrand was a good football player for Notre Dame last year. Jack Kaiser was a good football player in certain looks. The thing for him is they got to use him less and use him in more specific roles because he's just not a rover. He's not good enough in coverage to be a rover. But you get him closer to the box, he doesn't have the body to be a 60-snap linebacker as a Sam or a Will, in my opinion, Ryan. But he does good things there. Marist was really the problem for me last year. And the other problem was a lot of it was, again, it was how they were used. That was a problem. It was the uncertainty that they clearly were playing with a lot of the time was the problem. And that's the thing that, that I think needs to, needs, needs to get fixed. So um, if they can clear that up coaching wise, I mean, we can blame all the players all we want, but look, coach them better and they play better. At least two of those three positions, at least in two of those three positions in my opinion. And that's what I want to see be different this year. Here's the next question here. Uh, John a one asks: is it possible for Riley Mills to have a Jerry Tillery type breakout up front? Mills seems to have grown to be a thicker player than Tillery. And both were six uh, over six, five, right around 300 pounds. Well, Tillery was a lot. I mean, he was definitely taller than Riley Mills was. There's there's no doubt about that. He he was definitely there. I'm I'm actually going to compare some numbers because I have had this conversation, Ryan. So I'm going to look up these numbers and I want you to take first crack and answer that question. So can Riley Mills as a senior have a similar breakout to what Jerry Tillery had as a senior for Notre Dame? It's possible. I I, I mean I think that they're very different athletes though, right? I really do. I, I think that Tillery was a little he was a little more flexible, in my opinion. I think that he was a little smoother within his movements. I think Riley is a really good linear player. I think he's got some pop in his hips, obviously. I think he's got a little more position flexibility than what a Jerry Tillery had. Like, Jiddler Tillery was three-tech, right? Like, he was born and bred to be a three-technique. Riley Mills can do some stuff on the edge. Play some five, four, four-eye. Could play some three. He could do... I think he's a little more versatile as far as his alignments goes, but I, I just Riley Riley is a tough guy for me to pin down honestly because I think that he can get there. 
I just didn't think I saw enough of it in 2022 to give me the hope that he is going to take that massive of a jump. I think that for me, if he can get somewhere to five or six sacks this year and he could be a consistently disruptive player, I think that you're looking and you're like, that's a really nice season for, for Riley Mills. I don't necessarily think that. And I think that I do personally think that Jerry Tillery was a little overdrafted. I do. But I don't think that if Riley Mills puts it together that you're going to look at him and be like, that's a first-round pick. I, I just don't know if I see that, right? I think he could be a good player. I think he'd be an impactful. I just don't necessarily think that he's going to take that big of a jump, in my opinion. Ryan and I definitely have a difference of opinion on Jerry on, on Riley Mills. Definitely do. I think Riley Mills is a lot better than Ryan does this year, or thought he was this year. I think, number one, Jerry Tiller wasn't a three-technique until his last year. So that was part of it, too is Jerry Tiller wasn't put in a playmaking position until 2018. Because if you remember, Ryan, you're correct. He's not a nose. He's a three technique. But they played him at nose his first three years out of necessity. And then you had Jonathan Bonner step up, and that and that duo stepped up. Kurt Heinisch and John Bonner stepped up in 2018. They took over the nose. That allowed them to move Jerry out to three technique, and now his pass game production took a big jump. So I think that's part of it too. And, and so you look at the numbers – you know, Jerry Tillery played a, a ton more snaps than Riley Mills did in his career, his first three years. And, you know, Jerry Tillery had, I think, was it five sack, five and a half sacks his first three years. So they both they both played a little bit as freshmen. Jerry played a lot more as a freshman than Riley Mills. Both were rotation guys as sophomores. And then both were regulars as juniors. Jerry played even more than Riley did. Uh, Jerry played nose tackle. Riley played big end. So to a degree, some of this is a little hard to project. But Jerry had five and a half sacks his first three years. Riley's going into his senior year with seven in a lot fewer snaps uh, than Jerry did. Now, he had three sacks last year as, a, as an inside guy at three and a half this year as a big end, primarily until later in the year. So t- he is correct that, that they're different. They're diff- very different body types, in my opinion. And, and they have very different skill sets. I actually think Riley Mills can be a big-time player. He's got to do it more consistently. He's got to be used correctly. And the other thing, too, is, is Riley's kind of weird because Riley plays really well in big games. And then he'll disappear. again. You know what I mean? Like, he played very well against North Carolina. I thought he played very well against USC at times. I thought he played very well against Clemson. Last year, he was great against Wisconsin. I mean, you go into that game, and he dominated Wisconsin up front, and and he's played pretty well in some big games. He just will then – you don't hear from him from two or three more weeks. And so, to me, I need to see Riley be more consistent. But I think he's a very strong kid. He's got great length. I think he's a kid that's got some initial quickness. He's got to improve his hand play, and he's got to improve his pad level. I think at times Riley can get high. So I think he could have a similar jump. But the other thing, too, is I think Jerry Tillery's senior year jump is overrated. Jerry Tiller had a great game against Stanford. And after that, he was just kind of okay, in my opinion. Now, he was injured. Part of it was because he was injured. He wasn't healthy the second half of the year. But I was not in love with Jerry Tillery's senior season, to be honest with you. I I thought he was at best their third-best lineman the entire year. Now, he had some flashy games. I mean, what did he have, like four sacks against Stanford in that game, right? Something like I mean, that. it was just, it was insane. He, he had uh, yeah, four sacks against Stanford. And at that point in time in the year, Ryan, he had seven sacks in five games. He finished with eight sacks. He only had one more sack the rest of the year. 
And, you know, and again, sacks are a little overrated. So, okay, let's look at tackles for loss. He had sissy six, seven, seven and a half tackles for loss in the first five games. And then he finished with um, 10 and a half on the season. So I'm three in the last seven, eight games. So I didn't think Jerry was consistent and he would flash and be really good. And the other thing too is Jerry was a pretty mediocre run defender at times in 2018. And that's where Riley has a chance to be better, in my opinion. Now, Jerry was a very natural pass rusher when he wanted to be. I don't think Riley's as natural of a pass rusher as Jerry is. But I think Riley is a more natural football player and has a chance to be an even better run defender if he can kind of take that next step. I mean, that's the thing with Riley. is like you see it. You see the flashes of it. But it's just like, dude, give it to me more. I need it more. I need to see that more from you. And I think that's the one thing that him and Jerry have in common is when they're on, they're pretty good. But when they're not, you don't see them. You don't hear from them. So I think I think he could have that type of thing, but I'm not going to predict it because, as Ryan said, there's a big gap between – well, I think th- this is kind of where we are. There's a big gap between where Riley is. Even, even if you – Ryan, even if you embrace Riley for being who I think he is, right, if we both – if I talked you into agreeing with me on Riley Mills – Let's just say I did that for argument's sake. We would still then agree there's a big gap between where he is and where he can be or needs to be, even with where I think he is, because yeah. it's just the, the consistency's not there. And part of that's they've moved him around a bunch. Well, but I, you're going to get your chance now to be the dude, and yeah. you got to do it. I'm just I'm just a little up and down with my thoughts on Riley because I I do agree that there's a lot more upside that he could hit. Mm-hmm. I just think that he's in that weird tweener mold though, like he's in a weird spot, man, because he's not a perfect big end. He's not incredibly consistent on the interior, right? So I just he's I just think that he just maybe doesn't have a natural position. I think that might be the. Sp- I'm gonna say this um, to you, Ryan. I think yeah. that's in his head. Could be. I don't disagree with what you said. Because remember, Riley played outside in high school. He was a big end in a three-down defense in high school. Yep. I don't think he was comfortable inside early in his career. Because it just – it you know this, Ryan. The angles in which you're getting hit as a three technique and a nose are completely different than when you're a big end in a three-down defense or a four-down defense. No doubt. It's, it's coming at you quicker. It's like you got to have like – you've got to have like – Eyes, you got to have, you know, what's that whole head on a swivel thing? You're going to get down block, crack black, you know, crack block. I mean, all these different things are happening. You're getting cut. You're doing all this kind of stuff. And it just comes at you quick. And I, I think he had trouble at times getting there, which is why the best game he had in 2021 was the game they had to move him to big end when when Myron was out. And, and why I think he ended up moving to big end this year. But I actually think if he's willing to completely buy in to being an inside guy, I think his skill set is really good inside. I think the issue is for him, he doesn't always play with that sort of aggressiveness you need. At times he does. I mean, again, go back and watch the Wisconsin game last year. I don't know what it was about Wisconsin. Maybe it's because, you know, he where he where he's from, a lot of kids go to Wisconsin. A lot there's Wisconsin fans. I mean, that Chicago area, you're gonna a lot of kids go up to Wisconsin to play football. Maybe that was it. They recruited him really hard and he just was fired up for that game, but he was I mean, I'm at times unblockable in that game. He and, was uh, what was he? He's a Lake Forest kid, right? Same right. as Tommy Reese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, um, is he from Lake Forest? I, I thought he might have been. Oh, I man. could be wrong. Yeah, he, he's from. He's up from that area, Ryan. I, I, I think he. 
I think he, I, you could be right. Let me just look real quick because now all of a sudden I'm having second thoughts on it. Yeah, it's from Lake Lake. He was from Lake Forest. Yeah, you're correct. For some yeah. reason I was thinking something different. I was thinking their uniforms looked different, but no, they were they were the same. Yeah, blue and gotcha. yellow, right? So uh, that's the thing for me is I think he's got a ton of talent to fit that spot. I just don't think in his head he really bought into being an inside guy. And I think if he'll buy into being an inside guy, then I think he'll have a big jump. Because I think, honestly, he's the most talented guy they have coming back next year outside the freshman class, right, The, the of the guys that have played, right? So I'm like mm-hmm. freshman class, redshirt freshman class. So take out Tyson Ford, Josh Burnham, Aiden Gobira, and the incoming freshman, guys we haven't seen play. Of the guys we've seen play, to me, there's no doubt, there's no question, he's your most physically gifted player. So if your D-line is going to be as good as it needs to be, then he needs to step up. I'll say that. That, okay. That'll definitely feel good to say. He needs to become this guy. Can he become that guy? We'll see. We'll see. Because, again, no matter what our current opinion of, of him is now, I'm higher on him than Ryan is, we both agree he's here at the very at best and needs to be here but can be here. And and that's the that's the big question mark for me. So, so this, this, is the, this is the issue with right here. Somebody said, J.D. looked like Joe Schmidt out there. He only looks like Joe Schmidt physically. (laughs) J.D. Bertrand is 30 times the player that Joe Schmidt was. And I still can't believe people actually have this take, number one, and then feel comfortable enough actually speaking it into existence for other people to know that they have that take. Because the quality of football player between those two guys is like, it's it's nuts to me that people say that. But he looks like Joe Schmidt physically. He's about the same size. J.D. Bertrand is a way better football player than Joe Schmidt was. And I still can't believe that people have that take. But I think that's something that hurts Joe Schmidt or uh, J.D. Bertrand is because he looks like Joe Schmidt, physically looks like Joe Schmidt. Yeah. I think that's something that hurts him. But he's a way better football player. Undersized weight linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. He's a way better (laughs) athlete than Joe Schmidt was. Like, there's still this thought that J.D.'s not athletic. Like, folks, there's things that J.D. needs to get better at. He needs to tackle better. Right, needs to take on blocks a little bit better, a little bit more consistency. But JD Bertrand is an athletic kid, and I think you nailed the part of it right there that makes people think that it's a short white linebacker. People just make assumptions because of that that are just erroneous, and there's no other way to say it. I mean, it's not even close to being accurate. It's not even close to. I mean, one one was a former walk on for a reason, right? And one was a four star recruit. I mean, who was who was originally committed to Georgia? Now, yes, Georgia dropped him. But that's not because he's not a really good football player. It's just because they had guys that were better. That's as simple as that. So I just I, some some of the takes I get, boy, man, some of these takes are are just puzzling to me, Ryan. Very, 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 very puzzling. We got in here from Brokeneck Boy. Will we see more teams do what USC did by keeping the offense on the field and punting just to keep their name special teams off the field? Also, is Ohio State's cornerback? Uh, pick up from Ole Miss, a game changer. Let's answer the second one first. No, he's not. He's a good football player. Uh, he was from – he was I forget which high school in Jersey he was from. Um, it's Davison. I forget how to pronounce his last name. Notre Dame recruited him a little bit. Uh, he's a good football player. I always thought he was a little bit overrated, to be completely honest with you, with some, some of the ranking profile he got late. He's a quality football player. Davison Ig Benoson from uh, Union, New Jersey. He's a quality player. It's a good pickup for Ohio State. He's long, uh, very, very long. 
He's a lot like Ryan. He's, he's a lot like Cam Hart size wise. Cause he, he kind of has a little bit of a safety build to him, you know, a little thicker than your typical six, two corner, but I don't think he's a, he's a good player. Simple as that. He's a good player. Actually, he wasn't overrated. His ranking went down. He was outside the top hundred by everybody, which is about where he should be like top 150 to 200 kind of guy. So slightly overrated by some, but he was a, he was a quality player. Uh, it's a good pickup for Ohio state. Uh, yeah, I just to me, Ryan, I just I, I'd have to go back and watch Ohio State a lot more and see how much like I feel like Jim I feel like Jim Knowles wants to play a lot of man, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's a man guy, to be honest with you. That's my question about him. Uh, but it's a good pickup. It gives them depth and they need depth because they've had some guys leave their classes in the last couple. They have some like Jaheim Shingletary. I bet you he's regretting that decision not to go to Ohio state now go to Georgia instead because he's in the portal already. And then they had the kid this year, the Johnson kid this year from Florida that that decommitted. And then they had another kid. Was it Terrence Brooks flipped, dropped, left their class in the 2022 class. He left as well. So they've had some big decommitments in the secondary last couple of years. So this is a good pickup for them. I just, I don't know how good of a pickup it's going to be because I just, He's got to show me he can be a pure man guy. That's my thing, right? Do you know a lot about him? I don't know the kid at all. No, I don't even know him slightly. Yeah, he is. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Union High School, New Jersey. So he's 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 solid. It's a solid pickup. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.